and welcome back to the third episode of Space Mouse Season 3, where we will be discussing a lot of amazing and awesome space stuff. And this is your favorite host, Alina, who is a wannabe space talk show host. And you're watching Space Mouse Season 3, Episode 3. So we have been learning a lot about Earth since school, right? Like we know about its characteristics, the geography, the weather, how life was formed and so on from our school textbooks. And with all these years living on Earth, we now know our planet like, you know, anyone else, like there is at our home, like our mom and dad and our siblings, right? And we know how, you know, Earth does things, how Earth reacts sometimes and where to get what, how to live. But even with the climate change happening, sometimes we are also clueless, like how the Earth is going to react and, you know, what are the new mysteries that the Earth is going to show. So in the last episode, we talked about space nutrition where, you know, the astronauts or, or astronauts that are going out to the space will be, you know, uh, requiring the nutrition, the food and everything. And we also like for a little extent, we talked about how space nutrition will be involved in space exploration. So uh, does this, um, you know, knowing about planets also become an important part when it comes to space exploration? So I feel in this era of space exploration where people are trying to go to other planets, uh, it is necessary to learn a little bit about the other planets as well. And of course, it is impossible to go out there to other planets physically and learn about them. Interestingly, on Earth, from Earth itself, there are a lot of scientists who does a lot of studies about other planets. And uh, I don't know what are the different things that they look into, definitely. And in today's episode of Space Moves, we have an expert, the amazing Mr. Brandy Winder from the Netherlands, who will be talking to us about planetary sciences. And I invite Bram to this podcast. Hello, Bram. How are you doing? Hello. How are you doing? How are you all? Yeah. Hope uh, you're all doing well. Yes, exactly. And we are so excited to actually have you on this uh, show today. And... Uh, we have a lot of questions for you, but before we move into the details about like planetary sciences and the things, uh, our audience will be a little bit curious to know a bit about yourself, what you're doing, and how did you end up in this planetary sciences domain? Yeah, yeah over thank to you. you. Thank, thank you so much for the invite. Uh, so my, my name is Bram de Winter. Um, I'm at this moment a PhD student in um, what was originally the Department of Earth Sciences, uh, but I study uh, planetary sciences um, at the University of Oxford. Uh, in the UK. I'm originally from the Netherlands, uh, close to Amsterdam, uh, the big capital of the Netherlands. Um, and I study, well, uh, how other planets form, um, how we can tell more about uh, when planets have formed in the past and then towards present day and, and, and see what happened there and see how we can link those. Um, I'm also uh, really involved in SGIC, uh, Space Generation Advisory Council, which you might have heard in previous episodes. Um, and since two years, I've been became a really active member, um, working in the Space Exploration Project Group, um, now currently as coordinator of the project group, as well as I've been a former national point of contact for my native country of the Netherlands. Um, been to many events and many other things cool things related to space exploration. Wow, that's that's really interesting. And uh, like, 
as someone coming from the field of planetary science, which to be honest, even I don't know much about what is it about, Eric, and you know, what are the different aspects looking into? What inspired you to take it up? Like, is there any inspirational story behind taking it up? Or like, how did you get into this field and how it how does it fascinate you? Yeah. So um, actually, my, my story towards like planetary science and space um, started actually quite late. Um, often, uh, often what you see in the space sector is that people from like already when they were five or six uh, wanted mm -hmm. to become astronauts or, you know, yeah. work into the space sector. For me, it started to grow actually when I started doing my bachelor's degree uh, in earth sciences. Mm -hmm. um, I always have been a person who was interested by many things. Uh, and also if you, yeah, the courses that I took, I always was really, um, how do you, I was good in most, like okay. most mm -hmm. kind of courses. Um, and what I really loved was just doing, like combining them all and started um, thinking about like bigger questions, questions that you yeah. might not answer in, you know, in, in an hour time on Google. Yeah. Um, and so then I had a course on uh, on planetary geology uh, by my former professor, uh, Wim van Westwenen. And I kind of discovered how cool planetary science was. Um, and from there, I started looking at ways how I can, um, because planetary science is just a very niche topic um you know it's it's not uh, taught in every every course or any university um so I, I started looking outside my university to see what can i do to um to build myself more yeah uh, more experience mm -hmm. in, in planetary geology space exploration or just in general the yeah. space sector um so i became involved over there after that course with uh, i contacted my professors and through that i basically rolled into um yeah i worked my way into what I'm I'm doing now, uh, which is the PhD and and also my voluntary work, of course, for SJC. Wow, that's super cool. And uh, I mean, I feel like you know, one thing that I have understood so far by talking with different people who are working in the space sector is that you don't have to have big dreams like from fifth uh, when you were like five or six at, in the childhood to be in the space sector. For me, the aspiration or that passion that I've developed to come into the space sector happened again during my master's, not at all during my bachelor's also. Like I took an year gap, then I went for IR and then I developed this passion for space sector. And it was like, okay, this is something that I would like to explore. So even if you're someone, you know, who just completed uh, your studies or, you know, you are, I don't know, like, in your mid-30s trying to explore like you know what you can do again in your life go for it I mean there is never a particular time to be in the space sector so yeah that yeah, is it's, really it's, inspiring it's, it's it's definitely like um you know you should just find your way in what what fits you the most um yeah. you can also try different things uh, you can try to you know see is the space sector something for me uh, that, that that question is perfect if that's a no or a yes yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, sometimes it takes a couple of tries to find out what your uh, what your true yeah yeah your true inspiration motivation is. Exactly. Exactly. True. Absolutely. And also, I do have huge respect for you now because you're doing a PhD program, and that too with the Oxford University. That's amazing. That's pretty cool, actually. And uh, so, how does um, we will go into that and all? But before that. How does uh, studying about other planets help us? Like, 
uh, does this kind of study play a major role with the space exploration or is it a little bit more i don't know like theoretical just to be aware about what is happening in the universe yeah well i think i think you can um you can definitely separate it in a couple of, of different ways of how this can mm -hmm. help um us here on earth um mm -hmm. first of all it's definitely indeed what you already mentioned before it's it's um a couple of majority of the studies is helping the space exploration program okay. um it's um you know already trying to make sure that we know as much as we want from uh, certain planetary services so as this mars and, and moon and to in order to you know use our time efficiently but also decrease uh, decrease the risks um, when mm -hmm. being there better understand mm -hmm. how the the two environments are working and then uh, secondly it's also um hoping to better understand our own planet hmm. um okay. there's for instance a, a certain case um about the moon um mm -hmm. so if you want to look back and, and in the history of earth um it's very difficult uh, because the earth has um, a particular system called the plate tectonics um, and plate tectonics so the movement of plates the subducting of plates and the recycling of plates um, makes it really hard to uh, to study back really you know early times of evolution of, of earth because we keep recycling our our rocks which are mm -hmm. our data samples mm -hmm. um so the wise saying i i don't know who i'm going to quote here but i i heard this this really nice um, nice sentence that uh, um that that somebody said which is the oldest the oldest rock from the earth is on the moon um as we currently as scientists think they mm -hmm from the giant impact um, or other mm. theories, but probably the giant impact yeah. um, that, you know, the earth of the moon was a part of the earth. Um, yeah. And so we have a shared history. Um, mm. The only thing is that that the moon doesn't have any plate tectonics because it's just too small and doesn't have the conditions to do plate tectonics, uh, mm. which means that the rocks that we found at the surface are like super old, mm. um, older than we can find in on earth um and then the third thing which i'm always really fascinated about is just um science is also just about uh curiosity of mankind of humankind exactly. yeah um it's just you know pushing those boundaries of things that we don't know discovering mm -hmm. things that we don't know and also yeah. that has just a huge benefit um by inspiring um, next generation um you know working towards mm -hmm trying to figure out these these details and then um and then uh, finding different technologies different solutions methods along the way uh, which i think is just very important um so i think in the space sector in general uh, science is just really important mm -hmm. um and um i actually last two weeks ago i was at a webinar from the former director associate of nasa uh thomas okay. And he basically said, like, science drives space exploration. And that's a bold claim to make. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's 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 sometimes a bit underappreciated, especially in, in, you know, like organizations like SGSC or mm -hmm. um, or other that that science can be so important for for the space exploration. Hmm, interesting. And uh, just to I mean, now that I'm curious, you mentioned about like, you know, uh, learning about other planets also help us to understand a bit more about our planet, like Earth, right? 
So can you give me an example of how that correlation comes in? Like, is it with the weather or, you know, like... No, how it, it it, it, yeah, it really depends on what you want to study about Earth. Um, so if you want to study early about, you know, the evolution of early Earth, then, then definitely lunar mm -hmm. exploration is the way to go. Um, but I think also a really important thing, um, which now I think slowly we're going to have a look at, but um, mm -hmm. is the our one of our neighboring planets, Venus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do think that we should study Venus and Mars better. Um, mm -hmm. Why? Because there are two, there are two neighboring planets. Um, um, if you look at like their climate, they're basically the two extreme ends of Earth, which means okay. one, they're both. I would say, you know, like dead planets. It's maybe okay. mm, we're say, yeah. and one say, you know, that we don't, the one has an atmosphere and a climate that's just not existing anymore, uh, which mm. in case Mars. And yeah. there's one climate who, of one planet who has a climate that's just went ballistics, mm. that went extremely into chaotic and, uh, and, you know, um, was, it's just, yeah, very thick, very warm. Uh, it's just like a, yeah a big ring around the planet that that protects yeah. it so studying these two is just hopefully we can also better understand how um mm. how our planet's atmosphere works better and also perhaps and now i'm suggesting like picking a bit big bigger um is what if we with our climate change on humans what if we push it to the extreme you know we keep on polluting we keep on polluting do we end up like venus um and that's an extreme extreme case but i hope we can learn more about it by by just studying wow that that's really fascinating to know about while i do have a lot of other questions to ask you about uh, about planetary sciences and other things as well uh so on space moms we have this very interesting session where we bring in a series of questions of would you rather to our expert as a fun session and you have to choose one from the two options that we provide and that too quickly and you can also maybe provide your reasoning behind why you choose that also so yeah this is going to be the would you rather of season three episode three with bram from netherlands and bram whenever you are ready we can start i'm ready okay the first question would you rather visit a planet inside our solar system or outside the solar system? Uh, at this moment, inside, because I don't need to travel that much. <laughs> a long okay. time. I don't want to be st stuck in a capsule for uh, a thousand long of years. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. I understand. Okay. Uh, would you rather witness a volcanic eruption or witness an impact by a meteor? Uh, volcanic eruption. Um, okay. It's uh, impact of a meteor is uh, probably uh, very harmful for <laughs> for me. So I rather okay. <laughs> not, not do it. And volcanic eruption as a, as a geologist would be, I have not seen one. And I really want to see one. Oh. We do have active volcanoes right now, right? I think so. There will be. Oh, there's always, there's always active yeah. volcanoes. Yeah. So you can ones. definitely book your next tickets for that. <laughs> would you rather watch the sunset on Mars or Mercury? Sun, Mars, yeah. Okay. Does um, Mercury have a sunset? I'm not sure. It Doesn't... should have, yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. Hmm, interesting. Have you, uh, like, uh, is there any 
uh, I don't know, like thoughts about like how the sunset on Mars would be like, actually, like, do you have any ideas about it? Like, will it be as similar to how it, how we will be seeing from Earth or will it be different? No, it will be, it will be different because there's less atmosphere. Um, so, you know, in, in Earth, we have this whole glowing thing um, mm -hmm. that's because of like the, the sun coming in with the atmosphere. Yeah. We probably don't have that that much in on Mars. Yeah. Okay. So I think still Earth, the Earth one is the most pretty one. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Because I haven't seen any other. So yeah. Still sunset uh, so early. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Would you rather survive on the surface of Venus or on the surface of Pluto? Um, I think Venus could be really interesting. Um, as I said before, uh, like I, I would love to study Venus, but at this moment, like the, the environment is so not good to for humans <laughs> to survive there. Yeah. Um, so unless we come up with um, incredible technology, yeah. I mean, let's 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 assume that you have a superpower to survive. Ah, uh, okay. yeah, Venus, yeah. Venus. I want to study <laughs> Venus. Yep, and would you rather stand on the rings of Saturn or stand on the surface of Sun? I think the rings of Saturn will be really cool. <laughs> you're you're choosing the safe zones. <laughs> yeah, no, the Sun. Yeah, no, I. Uh, yeah, Saturn. Yeah, I, mean, um... I mean, going there to Sun would be nice. I don't know, like, uh, sometimes I get too occupied with you know knowing more about like you know all these solar flares and sunburn. Not sunburn, sunspots and other things. So, yeah, I feel like standing on the surface of sun, if I have that superpower, will be nice. But anyway. Yeah, so I think you know, the rings of Saturn are probably one of the most beautiful yeah. uh, things in, so, in the solar plan. I mean, have you seen the uh, new pictures from the Uranus? The Uranus uh, maybe planet? I have missed it. I missed it. Mm. Yeah, It's beautiful. Okay, it's I'll so check beautiful. it out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Don't forget to check out the new picture of Saturn. Yep. And then, like, uh, would you rather, uh, if you had a chance to travel back in time, would you rather witness the birth of the solar system or witness the birth of Moon and Earth? I think Moon and Earth would be really cool. Yeah, same. Yeah, I think after you see. Yeah, yeah, after like studying it for a while, just seeing exactly. it exactly, yeah, would be really cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it will bring in more ideas, like about you know what exactly happened during that uh, formation will be an asset to your studies as well. Yep, definitely. And uh, would you rather travel to the center of the universe or travel to the center of the Earth? Center of the universe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you could see all these cool cool stuff around you um yeah. seeing what's out there really cool yeah um yeah center of the earth would be cool as well but uh yeah. a lot of pressure <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. uh, <laughs> yeah. yep and the final question for this session would you rather have a holiday to an unknown planet or take a scenic tour to the moon and back Oh, I would love to be an Artemis astronaut. So I would say the second <laughs> one. I think everyone wants to be, right? Yeah, <laughs> everyone, everyone, everyone wants to be in it. So yeah, I understand. And uh, during the podcast, I also have like so many space dad jokes being introduced throughout the episode. So my question this time is, why did 
Pluto look up to all the major planets in the solar system? Tell me. Because it's a dark planet. <laughs> because it's a dark planet, you literally have to look up anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. We continue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead. <laughs> anyway, so moving on. Uh, so you mentioned that you are doing PhD at the Oxford University, which is really cool. So could you uh, tell us a little bit more about your work, uh, both in the university and also what you are doing with SCAC, like in the space sector? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I will first talk a bit about like PhD. So. Um, I joined the University of Oxford in uh, October, um, October 2020, uh, mm -hmm. 2022, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm, I'm recent, like six months in now. Okay. Um, and I, yeah, I joined the, the Department of uh, Earth Sciences, um, mm -hmm. as well as there's a really weird system here, but the college, the university college. So we have all oh. different colleges. Uh -huh. um, and uh, yeah, I'm just... Um, combining both uh, computer modeling um, as well as some, some experiments with high pressure, high temperature um, okay. to better understand how evolution of especially the Earth-Moon system works. Mm -hmm. um, so better understanding how, how planets form, how planets crystallize as well. Okay. Um, so that means that you're, you're start off with a big planet, which is uh, an essential kind of like liquid magma, um, so molten. Mm -hmm. um, and then when it starts cooling down, you will form the first minerals. Um, and those ones are really interesting to study. Um, and mm -hmm. of course, we don't have any natural samples of them because um, yeah. recycling and um, yeah, it's a big uh, hide and seek to find them, uh, which we haven't won. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, we're studying them basically quite theoretical. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's what I'm I'm working on now. Um, but so far, the university has been an incredible motivation source to work here, and I'm I'm really, um, yeah, grateful that I'm I'm got the opportunity to to work here as a PhD student for the for the next years. Yeah. Um, in SCSC, I so I, two years ago I started getting involved. Um, first started as, um, as a member of the what we call then the member relationships team in uh, in the space exploration project group. Um, wow. So helping out members getting better involved into the project group. Mm -hmm. um, I did that for six months and then I became the co-lead um, mm -hmm. following up after uh, some great uh, great other people that did, did, did the coordination role. Um, and from there, I, um, I started looking at like, how can we expand our projects? So we mm -hmm. give more people opportunities to learn about space exploration, to um, to gain experience, um, to uh, yeah, eventually also help their their space careers, um, as well as just putting the voice of the next generation out there. Um, yeah. Space <laughs> exploration is a field where, um, uh, compared to to the other space fields, uh, the other space sector fields, is something that is really long term planning. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're designing now something in the space sector, um, it will be launched maybe in like 20 years or so. Yeah, definitely. Um, mm -hmm. And already before design and, you know, funding stuff, you may be thinking about 30 years or 35 years, um, which means that it's a very unique opportunity to um, to get the young generation involved because in 25 years, um, you know, the, the, the little kids that are now 10, um, yeah. they will be 35 and they will be working in the space sector. 
Yeah. No, um, me personally, if I'm now starting designing a mission, I will be 50 around that time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it's very important to keep keep getting the young generation involved. Yeah. Um, so that's exactly. what our, our biggest mission is. And um, during mm -hmm. my time in space exploration, I, I, I uh, founded multiple bigger projects. Um, so one of them is called Achieved, which uh, which is a mission design team. Um, mm -hmm. We're now working with around 25 members um, that work Ooh. on mission designs. Um, mm -hmm. So we previously have designed a Mercury sample return mission, oh, okay. uh, which is highly mm -hmm. ambitious. And this moment, we're working on uh, deep exploration CubeSats, as well okay. as a, um, uh, a crewed, uh, crewed orbital station for Venus. Wow. Okay. Sounds yeah. very interesting. We're making a little bit of a joke about NASA's policy, you know, uh, moon to Mars. We say Mars to Venus. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so we're thinking a bit better further ahead. Um, and we're also like, we're currently trying to design also an educational program related to mm -hmm. it that will be accessible for, open accessible for 25 students, uh, 24 actually. Okay. Um, so if there's any people out interested in there, uh, have a look at our, our project group and yeah. keep updated about it yeah um it's i think an amazing opportunity to get involved in this kind of stuff yeah. as well as that we're trying to open a new team um mm -hmm. as well so first first research team um mm -hmm. that will be especially um looking at space exploration missions and things that are related to the asian pacific region okay mm -hmm. um so there will be probably a team that full of, of, of asian pacific uh members wow. from uh, other project that we're doing roadmap, which is just so really one-on-one -on -one related to the, mm -hmm. the things that I said about like bringing the the, the voice of the next generation. So yeah. um, that's something where we look at current existing roadmaps and try to see how can we mm -hmm. uh, give our own little comments recommendations based on this. No. Um, and we're also working on analog missions. We always support a lot of papers uh, that go to conferences. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're doing many things. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're trying to be a fun community that um, that provides a lot of opportunities for uh, for many other people. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I totally agree with uh, you know all these things. Like, and it's really fascinating to hear about all these projects. To be honest, like uh, I started with SGAC in amidst the pandemic, and for me, SGAC was the gateway through the to the space sector to know like you know where I can put myself in. So I believe like, you know, there will be a lot of new young generation, like you mentioned, who need that exposure into the space sector to know like what and where they can contribute. And it's pretty cool, like all these different things that the Space uh, Exploration Project Group is doing with SGAC. It's, I feel like I do not have any technical background, like hardcore technical background. But still, uh, I feel like all these things that you're mm -hmm. doing, it's really interesting yeah, but... and... That's yeah. maybe maybe one of the misconceptions that we have about space exploration in general is that we only need mm -hmm. engineers or diehard scientists or yeah. um we're currently in the in our group we're working with different kind of people we're working with people that study economy we're working with people that work that are in the law policy strategy field yeah. we're working with people that exactly. are more in the space medicine field mm -hmm. um and also like with a couple of scientists which are um, yeah, you have a bit of experience in SGSC. There's not a lot of scientists in SGSC. Yeah. Um, exactly. So I, I would definitely say for, you know, um, if you're watching this and or listening this, um, and, you know, SGSC for me has also been the gateway to the space sector. 
um well it not primarily also for me was my you know my ticket into my phd for instance because mm -hmm. phds yeah. are like super academic so your academic work really yeah. matters a lot matters yeah but SGSC has given me the opportunity also to develop myself and so um through that i probably you know i must thank them as well for helping me getting my my phd because it, it was a place where i learned a, a lot about myself a lot about mm -hmm the you know the, the skills that i have but also the things that i need to improve mm -hmm. uh, so sgsc yeah has, has been really important for me and, and made me also probably yeah have a really close group of friends in sgsc that are uh um, yeah. that sure will be listening to this podcast but <laughs> yeah. will, uh, i'm really thankful thankful for that i will put all the links about the space exploration project group as well as sgsc down in the description box so you can definitely look it up and you know see if you can find a space for yourself in the space domain. So uh, for coming to the last question for this episode, so I know we have been talking a lot about, you know, what is planetary science and, you know, how you ended up in the space sector and everything. There might be a lot of space enthusiasts coming from different disciplines in science, like chemistry, geology, and so on, who might like to know, like, you know, how they can, you know, put themselves in the planetary science uh, domain or you know something what they can do in the space sector so as someone working in this field for like for, for the past two three years right now what are your pointers and or advice for them who are trying to you know pursue this discipline in space in the space sector yeah yeah that's a really really good question and a, and a question that is really relevant for planetary science students um mm -hmm. i i know myself like a couple of years ago i was definitely struggling with this as well yeah um the career of a space scientist, of like a scientist in, in the planetary science field, is just, it's not straightforward sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, not as straightforward as maybe for an engineer or, or other more related field. Yeah. Um, so I think the first big choice that you have to make um, is after you finish your degree, um, and in my case, it was also a bachelor's and a master's degree, mm -hmm. um, you have to choose between um, space sector and academia. Academia meaning you're going to work as a PhD or you're going to work yeah. in the space sector. Yeah. Uh, if you want to work in the space sector, um, um, the chances are high enough that your science knowledge is not enough to uh, to give you a job in the space sector, mm -hmm. um, which means you have to work on your secondary level skills and experiences as yeah. well, uh, which links back again is something you can really learn at SGSC. Uh, but also develop yourself by taking, there's so many cool accessible online educational programs to um, to work our way around. I personally, for instance, did uh, orbital mechanics um, during my master's. Uh -huh. um, so I, I started doing a couple of engineering, a couple of orbital mechanics courses, uh, some leadership, mentorship, you know, leadership, coordination kind of style courses. Mm -hmm. um so just in case i didn't want to go in academia because then you're gonna need those yeah. um my experience and, and maybe that's not for everyone is that if you want to have a full science job in the space sector um most of them especially in the europe and the us they require a phd mm -hmm. um they ask for phd qualifications yeah. um yeah. so then if you want to go into the second route, so towards more academia, which means a PhD, um, it's all about making sure that your academic record um, is good and you yeah. find yourself a project that is fitting to you. Yeah. Um, 
the search for a PhD, uh, you can probably write another 10 podcasts on it. Um, okay. it's, it can be one of the most stressful things to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, yeah. Um, make sure to have like shortlist and contact people that are very relevant to what you want to do for research. Yeah. Um, if, if it's like, um, there will always be a lot of people applying to especially funded PhDs. So fully funded mm -hmm. PhDs. Um, so make sure that one of these fully funded PhDs come out. Um, you know, if you're just someone that thinks like, oh, this is cool, but uh, yeah, it's a PhD place, but the topic is, yeah, I could do it. They're probably not going to pick you from this PhD list uh, from these people. Yeah. But if it's it's a topic that's really related to something you're really passionate about, you might have already studied in the past, you're mm -hmm. up your chances. Yeah. Um, yeah, and... and if you, yeah, I think uh, for me personally, PhD has been fantastic so far. Um, but definitely, it's just, um, it's definitely really different than a master's degree or a bachelor's degree. Because... So, yeah, there are a lot of things that comes in. And also, you heard from Bram, like how to get into a space, uh, planetary sciences. Like if you are coming from a different background, like, you know, some, uh, any other discipline in the science sector. So, yeah, and if you have more questions, uh, you can definitely comment down in the comment box uh, and we will be more than happy to share them to Bram and Bram will answer your questions. And also remember that you will also get a shout out on our social media channel when you're asking him the question. And with that, I think it's time for us to wrap up this particular episode of Space Moves. And uh, please do utilize our interactive opportunity to ask Bram the questions regarding planetary science, how he ended up in the space sector, or anything you would like to know more about his career path. So with that, and also Bram, it was such a pleasure to have you on board for episode three of Space Moves. And we wish all the success for your future endeavors and also for your PhD so program as well. And with that mentioned, uh, Space Moves season three, episode three is coming to an end. And I will see you on the next fourth Friday of May. With that, See you. Bye-bye. Take care.